This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Long gone are the stereotypes about fighting like a girl, especially when your name is Megan Anderson. The six-foot-tall female MMA fighter from the Gold Coast of Australia joins us on this week's episode to talk about what it's like to be on the business side of the cage. As Megan explains, she wasn't always the stellar athlete growing up, but as luck would have it, she fell into fighting and boxing after leaving a career in the Army. It's no surprise that she was able to move up in ranks among her female opponents as she was training almost exclusively with men throughout her development. Megan has a refreshing approach to competition day. No rituals, no superstitions, or even fear for that matter. On game day, she knows that she's put in all the work possible and views the other fighter as merely a sparring partner she's never met. This work ethic and confidence is probably why she's kicking ass in the world of MMA. This is episode 153. Power Athlete Nation, it's that time again for the premier podcast in strength, conditioning, life lessons. Uh, what else are we going to cover today? And fucking ass whoopings. Uh, that and um, today was kind of a sad day. You know, passed away recently. No. Prince. What? Prince passed away. I just saw him. Uh, yep. I mean, I, you know, David Bowie, I mean, but Prince, I mean, we've lost two of prolific artists and musicians ever in the history of the world. It's a sad uh, day. I thought you were going to say because 420 is over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, today's National Drug Testing Day, so uh, we got to say Dude, in our know. complex, we have like all sorts of really creepy dudes who yesterday were just moving like a half step slower. With half the slow. <laughs> they they Molasses over them. They were like fucking like uh, I am legend, but just slower. Yeah, right. Yeah, were, but um, yeah, I saw Prince passed away. That was a uh, well, RIP. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually saw Prince when I was probably 21 years old at the DNA Lounge in San Francisco. And let me tell you, that little man got up in a full leather uh, jumpsuit with like eight inch stiletto heels and played and danced his ass off for about three hours to the point where I was like. He played right-handed, left-handed. He played the guitar. I mean, uh, the drums. He played the keyboards. He sang. It was crazy. At one point, I think he was even playing a triangle. I mean, like, the dude played every instrument and crushed it. I yeah. was like, it was kind of like, um, and I am a Nickelback fan, merely because I saw Nickelback, and they were pretty good. <laughs> I was not really a Prince fan, and I saw that and was like, oh, I'm a fucking Prince fan for life. So I was pretty sad for that. So. Well, that's a bummer. R.I.P. Prince. I mean, the legend. Hell show, like, his legendary... Uh, I know. Well, we'll have to cut in a little Prince music. Like, right at this point, Callie will drop in the Purple Rain for a few a few bars, and then we'll be on our way. Well, speaking of being on our way, I want to, I guess, introduce our guest here. Megan Anderson is is one of Tyler's uh, Tyler's fighters. She's a, a 
up-and-coming ass-whooper in the female end of uh, UFC. So, Megan, welcome to the show. Welcome to Power Athlete Radio. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, Megan's Aussie. So, Megan, give us your back. Give us, like, the long version, not the short version. <laughs> it sounds like a pretty kind of uh, action-packed background. I mean, you traveled all the way out here, followed your passion, kind of the uh, the riches to rags, back to the riches type deal. So, what's going on? Tell have us. you ever been to Kansas City? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I'm just asking. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. Have you been to Kansas City? I've traveled. I've driven through Kansas City, <laughs> spit, had some barbecue. I mean, I know what I know. Missouri, it's the I know, Paris of the Midwest. Yeah, no, that is Naperville. So, Megan, give us your background. What, what's um, your story? Well, I guess, um, like last year, so I signed with Invicta. But what actually happened is, I I had a fight um, back home probably around like May, June last year. And my opponent just didn't turn up. She disappeared. Like she didn't turn up to the weigh-ins, didn't turn up to the fight. So that was pretty shit. <laughs> but um, I managed to get an Invicta contract pretty much that next week. And so I um, came over here September last year. And I'd been planning to train for two and a half weeks after my fight. I lost my fight, which was shit. But um, the next, the the following Monday, I was like, I went to Glory. And it was like my first day there, and it's like Monday morning, and I didn't know that Monday morning is wrestling. <laughs> and I thought I was gonna die. And um, so like I was still half injured, half like depressed because I just lost. And I'm like struggling through James's Monday morning wrestling class. Like I was, I, th- I thought I was going to like lose a limb or something. Well, let's, but, back up, let's back it up a little though, Megan. I mean, tell us, you know, so back home, where is back home? Uh, what did you do growing up and how did you find yourself, you know, in a, in a sport that is predominantly male, super brutal and like, you know, kind of the last thing that most of the girls that I know and I've met would, would ever find themselves really pursuing would be kind of the MMA deal and getting in there and brawling it out with another, another girl on the other end of the octagon. So go, go back even further. Give us a life story. Well, um, I'm from a place called the gold coast, which is like a 45 minute drive South of Brisbane. Um, so growing up, I was an extremely unathletic child, um, very injury prone, so I didn't play any sports. Um, I was actually really into music. I used to play musical instruments and I was kind of artsy like that, but I didn't. Um, ended up going to the army straight after school. Um, left the army because it was bullshit pretty much. <laughs> it was too much, too much politics. And then I guess... Like I have always really been interested in boxing and I used to always go to boxing fight nights with my friend back home and I went and picked up tickets from a local like MMA gym owner for a MMA show and um, and he, he asked me, he's like, oh, do you train MMA? And I was like, no, hell no. And um, like because I used to be one of those people that, I seen MMA and I was like, oh, that's so barbaric. It's bad. Like I used to be one of those people, but um, I guess as the sport grew and 
became more popular and I really kind of looked at it a bit more, I started getting interested in it. And, you know, the gym owner said, well, like, come in, have a trial, see if you like it. And um, I did. And it was kind of like the only sport I've ever played that I kind of picked up <laughs> relatively quickly. Well, that's, that's legit. So what was, uh, I guess, what was that first, I mean, injury prone, uh, you're a taller girl, kind of lanky, low, you know, lightweight, taller gal. What was, what was that first session like? Um, it wasn't too bad. Like it, it was like, I've played, you know, a little bit of like soccer well, and what we call Aussie rules, which is like AFL. But what we, like, I've broken so many bones and I've just like, fallen over and all that shit, breaking everything. But that first session was like, it was kind of like, it was a sport that I kind of had to do. Like I wasn't injury prone at all. I kind of picked it up really quickly. Um, and everyone was super friendly, which was good. Like I, I managed to pick a gym that was, you know, wasn't really anti-females in the sport, which I think was really good. Yeah, for sure. Now Tyler is also online. Tyler, you, we were kind of talking pre-show about just kind of, I guess how, the dynamic for, for female coming into the MMA scene and, and moving into UFC is, is pretty interesting. So go into that. Give, give our listeners some backgrounds on that and the perspective. Uh, yeah, with females, it's just way different. Um, number one, I mean, it's, it's you get one or the other. Like Megan had said, you know, some gyms aren't the most female-friendly. Um, so you either – a lot of times we'll get these gyms where a female doesn't really get the chance or they're thrown to the wolves. Um, you know, it, it, it's sink or swim, and, and we'll see if they can last with the guys. So anytime you have a legit female fighter, it, you know, it means something. Like, they've, they've been through it. You know, the, the, the female part of the sport doesn't get nearly the respect of the guy, which, you know, fortunately, Ronda Rousey really kind of brought the, the respect to that. Um, but it doesn't get the respect. But what they don't realize is, you know, these girls aren't practicing with other girls, like hardly at all. Like Megan, for instance, doesn't even really have another a female training partner. Her main training partners are, you know, UFC studs, um, you know, that are men. So it's one of those things that, you know, they, they've, they have to overcome a whole lot to get to that point. Um, and, and for Megan, like I said, she's a, with the, the, the promotion Victa. It's um, really, it's an all-female promotion. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's filled of the best, you know, some of the best female fighters in the world. Um, and like I mentioned right now, the biggest weight class for females in the UFC is 135. Uh, they're kind of, they, they recently just made a change. Uh, Cyborg, um, who's, you know, a lot of people believe that the greatest fighter in the world, uh, people at one time said she was the only fighter that could ever beat Ronda Rousey. Um, she's getting ready to fight for the UFC at a, at a catch weight of 140. So it'll be the biggest um, a female's ever weighed and fought for the UFC. So a lot of people are hoping that they're going to bring in 145, uh, which is Megan's weight class. Uh, and like I told you before, it's one of those, you know, the day they do it, she'll be right there because she is one of the best 145ers in the world. Um, you know, so it's just a, uh, the, the female side of, of MMA is just, you know, I guess kind of like the female side of most, most sports in the world and it just it doesn't really get the respect it deserves but hey Tyler um how heavy do the girls usually walk and I mean I know for the guys it's you know you can 
you know, cut by more up to eight to ten percent. But is it kind of similar for the girls too? Like if she fights at one forty five, she's walking at like I don't know, one sixty. <laughs> no. Uh Megan, what are you walking at like like normal, like not even weight count, like approaching one seventy? Yeah. One seventy, maybe a bit over. Um so which is a big a big cut for a female. Um, you know, a lot of your women aren't cutting a whole lot of weight, but the fact is a lot of your women also aren't six foot tall. So, um, you know, that's, that's the big thing. Most of the girls aren't cutting that much weight, but Megan's six foot tall, you know, with a six pack. So where else is she going to go? You know, there's, there's, she, you know, there's, 145 is really the, the lowest weight class that, that she can helpfully make, you know? Yeah. So does that, then does that become a disadvantage Tyler? Um, I think it can and can't number one, I think it can be a huge disadvantage if you don't know how to cut, um, which, you know, isn't going to be an issue. Um, Why is that? Cause, cause you're in, you're in, cause I, I know a guy. Are you, cause you, <laughs> so you, so you read this book this one time by this guy that put it out on the internet. It was a free ebook that you got to download with uh, <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah, there was this ebook that we read. I pretty much just read it to her. Um, but no, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, so we're, you know, we're, we're going to make sure her cut goes well. She's smart with nutrition. You know, she's one of these that, you know, while she's uh, an Aussie coming to America and learn, I believe, fast that our diets aren't like anyone else's diets. Um, you know, she, she doesn't eat insensible to begin with. She's always training. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good for her just for the pure fact we're not really changing much. Uh, she freaked out. She freaked out a little bit um, at first at how many uh, carbs I thought she should have. Uh, it was more than what she thought she should have. But after a quick description of the roles of, uh, of uh, between being a coach and being the one who's supposed to listen, um, <laughs> she, she, you know, she, she, she agreed. She, she, she got it quick, but, uh, um, she, uh, like I said, she listens to anything. She trains hard and she's that strong fighter. I mean, I, I've, I've grappled with some stuff. She's, she's strong. I mean, it's, it's, so it's, it's fine for her. If we can get the weight to come off really good, she's going to be bigger. She's going to be stronger than really anyone she fights. So, I mean, it's, it's great for her, the big weight cut. Nice. So, so go, go wait, Tyler. Are you saying she's stronger than you? Because I mean, that is actually not fact. On, on, uh, um, on Instagram, that you know, <laughs> that you're not portraying necessarily a uh, image of strength and power. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, she she's also not a vegan. Um, <laughs> she is a she's a she's a meat eater, so she is strong. Um, but uh, is that our one? Can I can I say that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, no, she is strong. I mean, she she's definitely strong. She hits. Uh, hits like a freaking truck. Oh my gosh! So the first time I sparred her, I was <laughs> now I was gonna spar like a woman. You know, like you when you spar a girl, you you're respectful, but at the same time, it's like you know you don't you don't go in there with everything you have. And within thirty seconds, I realized if I didn't do that, I was gonna get knocked out. Yeah, well, that's kind of a different mindset. Like, I can always imagine if you got in the ring with a girl, the last thing you would ever do is probably, it's probably like kind of like wrestling with your kids. All of a sudden, if like they, they buck up a little bit, you got to slam them real fast just to like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. it's possible. so like you got to probably come in and just like, 
lead with like a big front kick and follow up with a big right hook to something to knock her out. So hang on, let's get this. Let's get this story from Megan. So, so the first thing you're sparring with Tyler, what goes on? Did you fucking pop him real good, or what happened? <laughs> how how many times did I hit you in five in a five minute round? It was like ten to one or something like that. That's probably a fair estimate. Ten to one. <laughs> there so, was a few that, things there too. I got a lot. I got hit a lot. Well, I mean, uh, like, just, just looking at Megan's picture, she looks like she's got a pretty serious reach. I mean, what's your uh, what's your reach? Uh, Seventy-two inches. So that's exactly. So yeah, she's. That's how. Right. That's exactly how tall Tex is. <laughs> is that, so, well, well, theoretically, the way it is is like uh, whatever your reach yeah, is, 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 is. Yeah, it's supposed to be your height. Except you run into fighters that are like five eight with like a seventy eight inch wingspan. And mm-hmm. It's just the fact that they're a couple generations removed. From no, the, I was saying, uh, you know, Texas. Yeah. Oh well, that little Frodo Hobbit. Well, see, that's the problem. My my reach is seventy six inches. I have a freakish reach, but you combine you combine my freakish reach with the fact that I'm hypothetic, and then you match that with the fact that I don't know how to like. I have a 76-inch reach, but I want to be six inches in front of your face when I fight you. Well, I was going to so, say, you lead with your face on every single, <laughs> like, uh, like it, it was the first time when Tyler hit me up, I'm, uh, we went on and watched some of his fights on, uh, you know, whatever, like on the internet. And uh, I was like, man, this guy leads with his face. I mean, it's kind of a devastating strategy. technique and strategy just to try to, like, wear somebody out by just giving them uh, open face punches. And it seems to be working yeah. for Tyler. I was like, yeah. I, I mean, I like it. It's, it's a straight up, like, uh, pre-Fontaine, it's, you know, it's a suicide yeah. pace and it's a good day to die. I'm just going to leave my face and let you get tired of punching me. So it's good. It works. Like, yeah. So, so Megan, Megan had heard that. So she literally, 10 seconds into sparring, she yeah. just, she stops hitting me. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you really do take a lot of punches. I'm like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I, mean, this like, is true. Just, I was just like, holy shit. Like, like, I don't know if I'm okay with hitting this person's face, like, this many times in five minutes. Like, this is already 10 seconds in. I'm kind of worried for him. <laughs> oh, poor Tyler. And then would he just go to the body and try to bust up the ribs? <laughs> I, eventually, then I, then I don't know if that was a takedown round, but then when it become takedown rounds, like, I had to, like, get back what little bit of, of uh, self-respect I had left. Yeah, I had to – I had to – I mean, I don't, whatever self-respect you can say for the pure fact. Yeah, so this 35-pound lighter-than-me chick – beat me up on the feet so now i'm going to use my 35 pounds and, and take yeah. her down i mean uh, i guess that's megan would you say you're definitely uh you know come you come from a boxing background is what it sounds like and it seems like uh striking and that boxing kind of has really been your uh, allowed you to be pretty competitive and uh you know imagine going out and working with james and these guys that now all of a sudden the ground game's kind of coming up with it would you say you definitely kind of lean on the you know standing on your feet and kind of striking and uh, you know just kind of be more of a surgical boxer um, well, like the funny thing is though, like prior to like training MMA, I haven't really trained any martial arts. So like, it's just kind of came organically. Like I, like, I think like, um, the, st- the stand up side is just something that I've been, I've been able to pick up a lot easier and uh, it's, I've kind of taken to, and particularly with James, like he's improved that so much, but, um, I'm definitely, you know, it's definitely something that I rely on, but I'm really focusing on my wrestling and my ground game at the moment because that is where I'm not as strong, but, you know, it's getting there and I'm improving all the time. And, um, you know, James and, and everyone at Glory helps out with that, so it's good. 
there's, there's kind of two schools of thought. Um, you know, I, I come from a boxing background and, you know, like when I watch MMA, there's kind of this two schools of thought where it's like you bring in most guys are either come from a wrestling background. They got to teach them the standup game or you bring in the people that are boxers and then just teach them enough ground games so that they can defend themselves or at least, you know, come out there and do pretty well. Or like a Ronda Rousey, who's obviously a judo, uh, judo player. Yeah. But, um, me personally, I think the most dangerous people are the, are the boxers and the people that can fight from their feet and just be so surgical with it. And you watch that too in the UFC. If you bring in a guy who's a you know real, real skilled boxer and he knows just enough wrestling and just enough kind of groundwork, uh, uh, you know, not get murdered. It's you know to me at least uh, those are the guys that always just kind of you know just devastate people and just really you know it's when you see the blood really going. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like um, one that comes to mind is I. Uh, uh, Cody Garbrand, he's uh, he has like a very very big boxing background, and like the stuff he's done at Alpha Male has has given him the you know wrestling and ground game that's enough. But you know his stand up is is very good, and not a lot of people can deal with that. So like that's one person that I'm kind of interested to see how his career progresses. You know because he is a very much a stand up fighter. So in, with your background, I mean. Not a lot. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of athletic background, but I feel like in terms of being in the ring and like you have to tap into like this inner competitive beast or, and you got to kind of get the hate, you know, like what Matt Vincent would say, like you got to find the hate. Were you, I mean, were you a scrapper as a, as a gal back what, in the Gold Coast or did, was this like somebody you the army? I mean, yeah. you know, like, I mean, like I was kind of thinking about you like, Oh, I wasn't necessarily athletic. I got hurt. But then I decided to go in the army and I kind of scratched my head a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> if I was a kid that was prone to getting hurt and hadn't been really athletic, I don't know if uh, fucking G.I. Joe, let's go, you know, would be the way I'd sign up. But <laughs> kind of an interesting kind of turn of events and you kind of flourish. I mean, was it just the fact that you were real tall and just kind of a little unathletic uh, or just uncoordinated early on? And then as you grew up and you got older, you just kind of a late bloomer a little bit? Um, I feel like I'm still kind of unathletic but I just make it work for me um my dad used to be in the army so that was one of the reasons why I went in I am like it's it's a different fitness like it's more endurance like being able to carry shitload of weight over long distances than be able to do short like bursts of fire and movement and then be able to you know pack up all your shit again and walk you know well miles i guess kilometers we call it in australia but um yeah like i don't know it's just i guess i've just kind of grown into my uncoordinatedness if you could call it that so what about but what about the mental side of things i mean have you always been kind of a competitor uh troublemaker scrapper problems with authority or is it just something that that you found through uh through getting in the the quote the octagon or the rink or whatever and seeing that person you have to compete against and just wanting it more than them um well i was never a scrapper thank god i i tend to think that i have a little bit of standards (laughs) um but um no one like I've never got into like a fight at a at a bar or a nightclub or a pub or something like that. Like no one had ever tried. I think you know being six foot tall kind of puts a lot of people, particularly girls, off. <laughs> and um, 
but like the mental side, I've always been a pretty tough person. Um, like I've always been kind of mentally strong. I find like training here has been the hardest that I've ever had to kind of face just for the fact that I'm a super competitive person, but I am training with the top level athletes in the sport and like it's I'm, I'm I never win around like I'm constantly getting my ass handed to me by James and Zach and Tim and all those guys and I just have to just push through and I, I feel like that sacrifice of coming over here moving away from my family like having to deal with all that makes me a stronger person because none of my opponents will ever do that like they won't ever sacrifice what I've sacrificed. They won't ever go through. So they don't want it as much as I want it. So that's why I feel like when I get in the cage, I, I don't really hate my opponent, but it's more like I look at it as it's like, I'm just going to work. It's, it's like I'm a surgeon and I'm going to clinically, um, you know, dismantle you. Well, <laughs> this person, yeah. Well, the, the idea, at least for me, was uh, I never wanted the test to be as hard as the preparation. So I, I knew that if I, you know, trained my ass off and suffered in like the, you know, the lead up to, you know, game day or the match or the fight, that as long as I, you know, I, I always wanted to never be surprised or have a, a situation where the fight or the, you know, the test was harder than the preparation. Which, you know, thank God. You know, and I think what what scares a lot of people is they don't really take that attitude of like, hey, I'm going to suffer all this so that that like this becomes the fun part, and then they get in there and they get in situations that they don't want to be in. And don't know if they're ready. You know, yeah, that's where that self doubt. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I played in the NFL, and I remember playing with guys that didn't do the preparation, and like you could see them legitimately nervous, and they were like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm like, well, no, I'm uh, anxious, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go out there and fucking bust somebody's ass because I did all the work. Now, if you lied and didn't do what you said you did, then I would be fucking nervous for you too, and you probably shouldn't go out there. And then, you know, that's when you know people's worst nightmares happen, or they get into a situation. I mean, you and I'm sure you guys have seen this in fighters, like you know, uh, most recently in the Ronda Rousey fight, where you know she hadn't put in the preparation that she needed to. You know, whether or not she was doing Hollywood, had all these other distractions, but she kind of went in there and just kind of like looked a little timid, like, uh, you know, should I be here? You know, you know, all these kind of little bits of missed out. And, you know, and then all of a sudden when you have a little bit of doubt, your worst fears fucking become reality really quickly. And uh, yeah. that just happens so often with guys in the fight. I mean, it's, I mean, it happens in football, happens in every sport. And it only takes just one opportunity to be exposed. I mean, Luke and I this morning were talking about it. Said if a year ago you had asked me that uh, Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey would not be involved in the USC or the fight game, into uh, this time you know we went back last year, I would have fucking bet you every dollar I had that wouldn't have been the case. And to see him retire and her not even anywhere on the picture is unfucking believable. UFC two hundred. I know it's crazy. You know, so. I mean, and, I mean, and she was, dude, I mean, Rhonda was the top person in the UFC. I mean, did so much for, you know, women fighters and mm-hmm. acceptance in this. I mean, dude, she was so hot and then to go out like that. And then the amazing thing we talked about is how many people were like, fuck her. And I'm like, wait a minute, you guys just were fucking loving her. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's your goals, dude. Ah, just get I know, out. I know. Fuck these people. <laughs> not <laughs> you people, not you people not listening. Not you people listening. You guys but, are fucking cool. But it's so easy from the comfort of your home or behind a, you know, fucking mobile device Mm -hmm. to just shit on somebody's fucking existence because, you know, either you feel insecure or you think it's funny or whatever. It's just to me like it fucking like, 
Thank God. Yeah. Uh, thank God I never read uh, any of the internet, never message boards. I never even got on the internet other than book travel when I played in the NFL mm-hmm. because uh, I could not fucking stand the armchair quarterbacks on Monday. You know, the, the dude that had 47 hot dogs and 95 beers that were like, fuck these guys. Yeah, Tyler, like after that, the Conor McGregor fight, I think, Tyler, maybe we were texting or maybe it was on our, our scrum call where you're like, dude, I just, I can't, I'm dreading armchair fucking fighters. Who yeah, are, yeah. Uh, he tapped out like a pussy, and it's just oh. like, fuck. Well, dude, uh, so I'm telling you, all, everything they would have done, you know. Well, well, if, the, uh, the other one, and people don't realize this, is that, like, McGregor was fighting in, like, the 140s, comes up to 170, and the other dude's, like, a 200-plus coming down to 170, and they yeah. and, like, McGregor was probably, what, like, 176 on, on fight night? And oh, maybe. 205, 210. I mean, like, I remember they, when they squared off, I was like, Jesus, that dude's way fucking bigger. And then he comes out and hits a dude with some solid shots. And the dude didn't even fucking flinch. And he even said as he was walking out, he's like, uh, I guess the bigger man could take more blows. That was my, I mean. Yeah, but take harder blows. I mean, yeah. And, you know, and then the fact that uh, Diaz fucking accused him of playing touch button in the park with uh, Ido <laughs> Portal. Oh, my God. That was the funniest shit I've ever seen. What do you guys think of that? I mean, you know, we or uh, Tyler, we were texting offline about it that uh, this is totally a, a, a ploy to try to get more money up in a white UFC. Yeah, um, it was that was kind of my thing. Um, I figured like, yeah, yeah, he's just trying to get more money. Then, of course, then you get all the people saying, uh, you know, that 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 selfish guy. Like, how much more money does he need? I'm like, however much he wants. Like, who cares? Um, which I, I always hate that people calling a fighter selfish because they want more money. Screw you, man. Like this, this sport hurts. Get paid as much as you can. Well, well and, um, and, and, and but, to the UFC, I mean, off of those pay per views, are making like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, and kicking those guys' chicken scraps. And like, dude, yeah. McGregor was the first guy to ever really get a seven figure kind of payout. So, like I mean, a huge like, one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's looking at it like, wait a minute, I'm the biggest draw on this. I mean, and he's seeing what like Floyd Mayweather's who's making like a hundred million dollars off yeah. the fight, and he's yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah, and just a little bit ago, he just he just released a statement. I don't know if any I don't know if you got to see it, Megan, or, or you guys. Yeah, but he, he, he which made me like him like him even more. So he just released a statement saying that uh, he's not retiring. He's actually ready for two hundred. But what it sounds like is the UFC saying, "Hey, like you know, you can't fight because you didn't do this." And he's saying, "Well, screw you, then I'm retiring, but I'm still training as if I'm fighting." If you all can overlook all that. So pretty much what he came out and said was, um, you know, th- this media stuff didn't get me into this. I got into this by training my butt off. I didn't get into this by handing out flyers. I get paid to fight. I don't get paid to promote. And he said that he finally realized that, and that's what cost him his last win. So he pretty much packed up his team, put sent him to like Iceland or something. And yeah. like, I mean, and I think he said, yeah, taking his team to Iceland, and he's training like old Rocky Four style um, screw the cameras. I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to do your press conferences. Um, you know, as I made you all, all this money. He said he's happy to do the big ones, just not like like he did for Aldo, go on like a 200-day like mini world tour. Like he wants to go there, do like the day that he has to, then fly back. But apparently it sounds like the UFC want him to do a lot more than that, and he doesn't want to because he wants to focus on his training. You know what? I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm all for that. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like if you look at the NFL, I mean, they they give like the media one hour uh, on the game day leading up to the week, like starting like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with like you know a few select players, and then after the game is all you really have to do. 
And like, you know, it's like the idea that, Hey man, you know, and, but uh, you know, the other problem too with the UFC and mainly the fight game, you guys know this is there's no union involved. There's nobody, uh, you know, really looking out for you guys. Yeah, protecting the fighters yeah, the best interest. There's nothing. I mean, and it's, and they have always tried to come in and wanting to create some union and dude, the minute that gets talked, you know what they do, they fucking blackball that guy and basically burn him out. But yeah. until the players really come together and, um, you know, or uh, uh, the fighters come together and actually, you know, have a little bit of union. So at least you have somebody, you know, bargaining with, you know, the UFC for not only revenue and, and you know, fighter safety and this. I mean, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like all of a sudden Reebok comes in, signs a deal, and they force you guys to wear it. And that was a huge moneymaker for a lot of the athletes being like, yeah. I got paid a shitload of money to have all this sponsorship on me. And they just took that away and were like, yeah, I mean, normally what would happen, a uh, collective bargaining or having a union would come in and be like, that's fine, we'll happily do this, but you guys are going to pay everybody a royalty based off of the merchandise sold, which happens in every professional sport. So, um, you know, but it's at a, a situation where dudes are just so hungry to get out there and get exposure, they're willing to, like, you know, forego a lot of the formalities. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but, hey, man, uh, in my opinion, um, I hope every professional athlete can get every fucking dollar available to them and then some because uh i remember when there was a lawsuit with the nfl and the raiders uh, al davis had, had to actually release the corporate earnings of the raiders as part of the uh the litigation package it was the first time that anybody ever got to see the books of an nfl team and uh it was like mother of god these dudes were making money off of every hot dog sold off of concessions the uh the parking uh the luxury boxes and then they were putting it all into a pot and having i mean sharing dude these dudes were making like the most disgusting money and, and the best it came out that none of the teams were even paying the players. All of the money for the salary cap was coming from the TV deal. So they had negotiated for somebody else to pay our salaries. I mean, and then the money they saved, they're putting in their pockets. I mean, dude, it was unbelievable. So, um, you know, the deal is, uh, I hope he gets every fucking dollar and, um, you know, it sucks that those guys really, you know, basically kind of manipulate and really just intimidate guys into taking, you know, some bullshit and going out there and just fighting for, you know, for blood. So, uh, yeah, and that's kind of it. He's the first one I feel, and that's you know, I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan. Um, he's the first one to reach that level. Usually, when a guy reaches that level, take uh, GSP, you know, several years ago, for instance, when they reach that level, they're just they're buddy buddy with the UFC, and everybody's been saying this this entire time about Conor McGregor is that he makes the decisions. You know, he's he's Dana's boyfriend, just like goofing around and all this. And I love it because here's your your biggest guy in the sport right now, your most popular, your biggest money maker. Um, the one guy who everybody says will do anything to make Dana happy and vice versa says, Hey, you know, I'm not getting treated fair. You don't care about me. Screw you. I don't care. Like, that's awesome. That's a huge step in the right direction, in my opinion, for the, for the sport in general. I hope he gets a lot more fans out of this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that's what we would hope, but oddly enough, uh, fans usually side with the institution, which blows my fucking mind. Um, it's kind of like similar. Uh, I got into contract disputes because uh, I had promised uh, a new deal. And then when I went to negotiate the new deal, they basically told me to go fuck myself. And uh, then we got into contract disputes and I got traded. And like, dude, I was like, I'm just, I'm not asking for anything other than what I was promised. And I, and you know, people that are like, Oh, you know, the first guy to ask you for your autograph is also the first guy to be like, fuck you. The team is everything. And so what you run into is that uh, people are UFC fans and they're a fan of whoever's out there that the UFC puts out there and whoever they yeah. put the media force behind. And it's like, even though, you know, you're, I, you know, we're probably similar to each other in that I'm a fan of players. I'm not a fan of the NFL and I'm not a fan of the teams. People always ask me like, 
who's your team? I'm like, I don't have a team. I, I root for individual players that I know and players that are good. And I want to more time actually supporting teams. And, um, you know, same thing with the UFC. Like I, I won't watch the UFC if, if there's not a fighter on there that I actually follow and, and, uh, and like. And uh, I was actually really excited to watch UFC 200 to see McGregor fight uh, Nate Diaz. I mean, dude, I, I couldn't wait to see that fight. I mean, just because I'm a Conor McGregor fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 huge, man. The sport's got a long way to go, and again, I think it's a a, a step in the right direction if people, you know, if people are smart about it. But it's here, you know, it's 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 still, man. It's it's such a baby sport. Even though, you know, as I said, it's the first sport ever. Um, you know, people will say running was the first sport ever. That's, you know, running was the, that, that, that's not true. Fighting is the first sport ever known to man. That's what I'll say. Running, yeah, running's what happened when no, someone didn't want to play anymore. Running is the sport of the coward. So just, <laughs> that's why, you know, I mean, and you know, for those of you guys around, it's, you know, no, you know, no disrespect, but it's the sport of the coward. It's the guy who runs away. And uh, Andy Snow. Is the one that coined that to me. He's okay. coined it, he coined that to Brian McKenzie. He told him you practice the sport of the coward. See, here's where here's where there's a that falls out because if guy like gives it wants to start shit with me and he's fucking fifty feet away, I'm running into that fight. So technically, the running uh, <laughs> sprinting sprinting is the sprinting sport is different. <laughs> <laughs> Yogging, as it's known in you know, Europe, is the sport of the coward. Okay. Yeah. Agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, I got a question in terms of training outside of the ring and outside of the mat. Uh, do you bang weights? Do you sprint? Do you run? Like what, you know, mobility, you know, uh, flexibility, uh, conditioning, like what does your day look like in terms of, uh, or is it just purely just learning the fight game? Um, I do strength and conditioning outside of the gym. And, um, and like I, I run, but I only run when I'm in fight camp to help drop the weight. <laughs> so I only run for like half an hour, 45 minutes, about 40 minutes. That's about it. Just like a slow, steady pace, just to get sweating and drop the, drop the weight. So, uh, other than that, I hate running. Yeah. I struggle to do, <laughs> I do the half an hour when I have to. So, um, like, I avoid running at all costs if I can. <laughs> Did you start lifting weights in the Army, or is it something that you picked up recently? Um, I Not when I was in the Army, but when I left, I, um, I was doing more, like, weightlifting, kind of, like, bodybuilding-type weightlifting um, before I got into MMA. So I guess that's where I got a bit of my, my strength from, but... Like I've always been a pretty strong person, so like just it's just kind of built on that. Like after every fight, I you know I change different things and I work on different things, so I'm just getting stronger and faster and improving in all areas, which is you know good because if you know I, like I'm the type of fighter if you don't improve from fight to fight, then then you know I don't think you sh- you really need to check your training and like what you're doing because like you're not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, from what I understand, you're all in, you made the move from Australia, came over to the Midwest, you're training with uh, James. This is your full-time gig, right? Yeah, it is. So give us like a day in the life of, or a week in the life of, you know, let's just say training camp. Like what, what is your, what does your day look like? Training camp. Okay. 
Um, well, like Mondays I train morning and night and then I'll run for half an hour uh, after training. Tuesday I do strength and conditioning in the morning, then I'll train at night. Um, Wednesday uh, train morning and night and I'll run after training. Thursday strength and conditioning in the morning, training at night. Friday uh, we train in the mornings and then Saturday is our um, like main sparring day so we do 10 five minute rounds so five with little gloves five with big gloves and then the, you're not are you uh like do you have to go to a local pub and pour drinks or anything to make up for it or is it everything 100 percent? it's all about just uh being the best fighter that you can be no everything like i don't have another job um i like i'll do some babysitting every now and then <laughs> um for you know the guys at the, the gym that have kids, if, if they want some, they've got stuff to do and they want a babysitter. But this is pretty much it. Like, I live I live off my fight money. So, like, it's like it's all or nothing kind of thing yeah. for me, I guess. That's motivation, man. I love it. No plan B. I always appreciate, uh, you know, whenever I meet athletes and we start talking about, you know, like, what's the plan and, I'm always getting a little nervous when I hear, oh, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, I like people are like, no, man. She can uh, sell cars. And yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, hey, uh, if, if this doesn't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm sure I'll figure it out, but, you know, there is no plan B. And I think, uh, you know, that attitude is, you know, realistically the, you know, most important thing, especially for athletes that are, you know, in the position of like, hey, I'm up and coming. Like, this is something that uh, I can do. And, and, you know, like, yeah, it's fucking great. I mean, you're, you're at the time of your life when you want to do it. And, Seems to be that uh, you know, with the UFC growing, and especially with like the the uh, acceptance and the kind of the audience for female athletes really growing. I mean, I you know, I think if we went back three or four years ago, people would be like, "Girls can't fight." Yeah, obviously. But like you know, recently, I mean, uh, just some of the fights that have really you know the, the female fights that have had been happened have been really entertaining and really yeah. good. I mean, oh, it's kind of like the CrossFit man. Honestly, I like when we go to the games or to the regionals or local throwdowns. You know, I think that. Females are just much more elegant movers and competitors. I see the kind of the same thing come through. I, I do enjoy watching the female fights on any of the those big cards. Well, then, and also uh, for me personally, I would like with boxing, especially. I always like watching the, uh, the flyweights and the, light, and the lighter guys fight, mm-hmm. just because uh, it's so much action. Like you watch, I mean, there's a reason heavyweight boxing is in the world right now. Because one, there's no great big heavyweights, but two, or like five punches. You know, and they fucking go down, and people want to like see punches. They want to see an exciting fight. They want to see it go the distance. You know, you're paying big money for a seat. You want to sit in there for a full, you know, deal. They don't want first or second round knockouts. So I think, um, you know, especially with the UFC, uh, there's been really, uh, if you look at like the amount of fights, you're usually, you know, the the biggest is 205. I mean, you don't really even see very big, you know, super, or the, the heavyweights can fight anymore. I mean, Tyler, I, I could be wrong, but like for the most part, most of the fights are in those lighter weight classes. Have you ever heard someone claim that a steak was too good or that a chick was too hot? How about that an athlete was too fast? No, you haven't. Why? Because that would make no fucking sense at all. You know the slogan, speed is king and speed kills, but the value of being fast on the field is not limited to that of a catchy tagline. It is legitimately the defining characteristic of the better athlete when all else is considered equal. In fact, you can even mitigate your deficits in size, strength, and power by simply outrunning your opponent. 
This is why we've created the Power Athlete Speed Program, complete with instructional videos, points of performance, integrated speed tests, and progress tracking, thanks to Train Heroic. The fixed eight-week program is dedicated to increasing speed. Dial in your mechanics, increase efficiency, and seize the opportunity to optimize speed under duress. This is the best way to prepare yourself or your athletes to outrun the competition. Speed can be developed, expanded, and improved upon. No one athlete is truly fast or truly slow. Instead, they're either actively training for speed or they're riding the bench. Learn more about the new Power Athlete Speed Program at www.powerathletehq.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are where you're stopping. I mean, heck, you, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, they're little people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's just, there's no, not, not to say there's no studs at the heavyweight classes, but it's just not, yeah, you know, it's, it's not the more popular, you know. I mean, yeah, uh, people yeah. want to watch like the the Clay Guidas of the world that like just fucking <laughs> run around in circles, going yeah. crazy. You know, like like my favorite is the fight's over and that dude's still doing circles on the rings. Right? Yeah, like people want to watch that type of energy. They don't want to watch like you know, kind of the big slow dudes getting out there. And just Guys like me through. who could like lumber through for seven seconds and then have to call timeout. <laughs> <laughs> or the dudes that like, as soon as they get hit once, just like, tackle the legs and just lay on them. And you're like, dude, oh, come yeah, on, move, do something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the armchair, uh, like fight coach. Who's like, just stall. Don't get punched. Like tap out. I'm such a pussy when it comes to that stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I haven't been in a ton of fights, and even the ones that I do, if I've connected, like, I feel bad for the other guy. I'm like, what? I just fucked that. I'm, <laughs> oh, like, I mean, you know, I'm like, that fucker deserved it. I'm the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I, like, um, uh, I was some, – somebody asked me about uh, one of my most memorable fight experiences, and it was actually, like, when I was pretty young. Um, and I told – these guys have heard the story, but I got in the ring with a guy that was older than me, about the same weight, same size, and uh, he fucking hit me pretty hard with a straight left and, like, uh, I mean, not even a jab. You just stepped right in, and he like you know cracked open my face. And uh, the, my trainer, the, the you know our coach, fucking jumped on me with like a quarter and basically pressed the quarter on it because he saw how deep it went to try to keep it from gushing. And uh, the funny part was I got hit and I was totally calm and like he was like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And the other dude was uh, pretty pissed off because I had hit him. And I remember after he's like, "You will be a good fighter." That guy was is not a good fighter. I said, "Why?" He's like, "You actually got hit and got more calm." He gets hit and he gets more pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "To you know, I'm that type. You know, eats energy and it's just um, you know something you learn and and you know kind manage of the emotions. Yeah, just manage the emotion because you watch guys that you know get so emotional into shit and it just eats them and just kills them. So I mean, the ability to stay calm, especially after you got hit, which is is um, you know prerequisite, and so few people do it. But you watch really good fighters, and they just you know like, even though they get hit, they still just keep moving forward and being real methodical. So I just wondered, like not coming from a boxing background, what was that first feeling or first emotion the first time you got really hit? And I'm talking about like the hit where like you feel at the end of your fingertips and in the fucking fillings of your teeth. Yeah, my teeth hurt. Um, my my very first fight, I think was when I kind of, like, I didn't, like, she hit me hard. Like, I've been hit harder in fights. But that was the first fight that kind of, I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I'm in a fight. <laughs> um, so, like, we went the distance. And, um, like, I remember going into that third round. And I was just like, how the fuck am I going to hold my arms up? <laughs> I had no idea, like what I was going to do, but 
that was the fight that like I'd be hit like you know my nose is bleeding um like I pretty much put everything into that fight she put everything into the fight and um that's kind of like the first feeling of just like okay like I'm I'm in a fight now like this is what it's like this is what you know the the emotions like the getting tired the pushing through that not wanting to quit like all those things like you know that was really really big moment for me so so now do, does your i mean do your family and friends i guess pre-fighting friends do they i mean how do they, how do they regard your, your career choice here are they you know at first i'm sure it was like oh you know megan are you sure you want to do this but are they like in your corner now are they watching or do they fly over and watch a fight um, they don't fly over, but they, like, they watch, like, my, my mom, when I first told her, she was like, oh, no, Megan, really? <laughs> she was like, I don't want you to break your perfectly straight nose. I'm like, really? That's all you care about? <laughs> <laughs> she still, to this day, is, like, like, is adamant about, she's like, okay, like, you've got to fight, and I'm excited about it. Just don't get your nose broken, please. Yeah, don't get hit in the face. Okay, thanks, mom. Well, I was going to say, good thing uh, you don't have Tyler as your coach because (laughs) you're basically looking like hamburger. He's like, like, okay, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to uh, round your shoulders and I want you to (laughs) push your head out and your neck like you're a turtle out of a shell. And then uh, when that punch comes, don't move. Headbutt it. Yeah. So like (laughs) Like gladiator. and, and, and (laughs) And then after that happens about 50 times, then their arms might be getting tired, at which point that's when you strike. You strike. <laughs> ah, listen. So, is so, that, so, so, fan, so fans love blood, right? How many, like, like when I see that a fight is boring, I bleed. It's just what I do. It's part of the showman. It's like WCW or WWE. Yeah. I'm not entertained. Yes, and then I win. Like, like I have had... I've had a total of 76 stitches in my face. Um, and out of all of those, I won. They were wins. Um, I just got my tooth fit. The final thing done with my tooth to get my tooth repaired two days ago. Um, so I'm, I'm finally on the up and up, you know. I've, uh, <laughs> Dude, uh, things are good. Well, the, um, uh, just kind of a, a interesting segment into this, but uh, so – my daughters, I have two little girls, uh, two twins that are four and a half, and uh, I take them to gymnastics, and then they go to dance, and uh, dance is next door to the Mendez Brothers' uh, art of jiu-jitsu place. And so where we parked, we walked by, and my daughters uh, both unanimously decided that they didn't want to wear the dance outfits anymore, that they wanted to do jiu-jitsu. So, like, we've, thir- we've gone by and watched a couple times, and I've taken them in there, and, like, I, I keep being like, you sure you guys want to do this? And then, like, they'll be like, yes, we want And so they asked yesterday when we're starting. So I hit up Kate Fletcher, because I also know 10th Planet, <laughs> as a, um, a place over here in Costa Mesa. So uh, we were watching some of the jiu-jitsu stuff and some of the, like, the judo and, like, Ronda Rousey stuff last night. And, uh, uh, like, you could see the look of concern on their face. And I'm like, what's the problem? And they're like, will we get in trouble if we do this? <laughs> I told my daughter, I was like, well, you'll be, you'll get in trouble if you do this at school. But if we go there and you're in the, in, in the uniform and not white, like you won't get in trouble. And like, I can see them both like nodding their heads. and like, like we get together. Well, like, and, and they both kind of like nodded their heads and they were like, we want to do jujitsu. And I was like, okay. And so I've been, uh, I, I got to take them over there and watch and like, go meet the guy a little bit. But uh, I have visions of my four and a half, 
old daughters training for let's say 10 years in jujitsu and being like pretty good at it and then they're like 14 or 15 and go to high school and some dude like you know fucking says something and they're like let's fucking rat pack him you know like they're like hey, i got a pretty good fighter too you know so i, I believe me I, as a father the uh the thought of having a daughter that is combat ready not, yeah it's not only combat ready but confident and secure enough to be in a situation and feel that she's not helpless um is Probably, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of parents would disagree with me, but for me personally, uh, that will be a huge, huge fucking weight off my shoulders to like watch them go out the door together and know that like not only did they have backup, but they also are fairly skilled in you know in some shit. So if something goes down, that uh, you know, and I'll give them the same talk my mom gave me, which is um, I'll never be mad at you. You fight, but if you lose, you can't come home. So that's what my mom told me when I was 14 years old, which actually fared really well for the next 20 years of my life playing in the NFL. Cause then I looked at like every fight I got into that I had to win or I couldn't go home. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of like that scene from face off where I think it's John Travolta gives his oh, daughter yeah, that butterfly knife. Yeah. And like, <laughs> put it on his fucking juggler and fucking slice him. But Twist I mean, the blade. Uh, like, like that's a, you know, that's a fucking real deal. I mean, and um, you know, uh, set, I mean, in a, in a world and you know we've been to australia and met a lot of aussie girls that are not only pretty aggressive in their language but also having to deal with aussie guys are usually pretty tough chicks so um, mm-hmm. you know hey fuck being a victim especially in women in these days so yeah totally. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always stoked on anything that's ter- in terms of empowering women and like a positive role model that i can show my daughter that just isn't some girl you know talking fucking protein powder naked on instagram you know Oh, that annoys the shit out of me. I hate those girls. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and the here's like, I understand it's modeling and they're trying to sell products. As long as they don't attach the word athlete to, <laughs> like, anywhere to it. If you're like, hey, I'm just a model. I pay this photographer a whole bunch of money to take these really nice pictures of me and, you know, looking like this. Then, like, I'm totally cool with that. The problem is, is when they're like, oh, really good working out with these athletes today. And I'm, I'm like, fuck you. Athletic, uh, to be an athlete involves doing something athletic or being in a sport. Going to the gym and talking about how you're going to, you know, you're a warrior and you crushed it and, like, you know, you're going to battle with the fucking weights to me is um, – <laughs> What's because you're not a warrior? No. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, but, but it's like, you know, like, no, like yeah, yeah. it's like – I realize that it's marketing and the goal is to separate people from the money in their wallets. So like, this is the image they're portraying. But for me as a dad, uh, I look at it and I'm like, fuck, I failed my, I failed as a father. If my daughter's the only way they make money is hockey protein powder, <laughs> fucking naked yeah. social media. So like, and that's why I'm, I'm always stoked in terms of like, you know, with, uh, you know, even Ronda Rousey coming out and being, you know, not only uh, a good looking girl, but like, you know, uh, having this, you know, pretty, you know, amazing judo background and being a fucking judo player and then getting into the UFC and being a big star, uh, to me is, you know, that's the type of stuff I want to, you know, hopefully see, have my daughter see or people that are, you know, athletes are competitive and be able to go out and use their, you know, fitness and training for something more so than just fucking 10, 100,000 likes on Instagram, which realistically the only like they really want is their fathers who aren't commenting or liking it either. So. Dang. Well, well, here's the, geez. sorry. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. No, here's, here's the thing. I, I made this comment to a friend not too long ago. Um, in America, it, it's good and bad. It's, we're kind of in this weird spot where the men 
are getting weaker. Like socially, mentally, physically, everything. The men are getting weaker, but I feel like women as a whole are getting stronger. Um, you know, I, and you're really starting to see that. I mean, it's, it's whether it's the MMA movement, the CrossFit movement, um, you know, just the sports in general, you're just starting to see, um, you know, the, the, the men are just, you know, and it's, it's, I'm not, it's not a crack at sensitive guys or whatever. It's not, that, that doesn't mean anything, but it's just like the standards for being a male, for being a man are, are changing. They're getting watered down. It's like, well, you know, you can do this. It, it's fine. But women, like, their standards used to be like that, and they're, they're getting more free. Like, oh, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's now we're, we're teaching men, like, oh, no, you don't have to you, – you, you know, you don't need to be strong if you don't want to. You don't, you don't need to do this. You don't, you don't need to be a, a – gen- if you don't want to be a gentleman, who cares? You know, like, you do you. But we're teaching our daughters, like, hey, you be anything you want to be. Um, you know, so we're, we're kind of at this, this intersection where, you know, it's really good for the, the – uh, the, the, women's movement but you know so it's Megan, really bad it's really bad for the strong women that are out there looking for a strong guy so. <laughs> like Tyler, that's kind of an interesting deal because um i mean fuck i'll go back 20 years and i know like it seems like a fucking blink in my eye but um as a young freshman in college i sat in a class taught by a guy named pedro Nogueira, who told me as a white male that i was uh responsible for all of the wrong of the world and oppressed and you know listen to all this stuff so i think there's this feeling that you know, that uh, so much of the wrong in the world has been, you know, caused by men that there's almost this kind of backlash in the way for westernized men that, you know, they have to almost become more accepting or, you know, more. And uh, I actually, um, you know, welcome it because uh, it's kind of like vegans. Um, I welcome the vegan because we don't compete for the same food source. Uh, He's not going to eat. I mean, I'm fine to eat his plants and vegetables, but uh, he's not going to eat my meat. Same thing for men. I mean, I realize that if uh, men want to, go in this direction, um, then, you know what, it just, uh, you know, becomes, I guess, better for us. And, you know, it's my responsibility to raise my son in a way of being like, first of all, don't do that. That's, you know, but I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. It's almost this, you know, weird deal. I mean, I, I saw it years ago when we did a seminar in Sweden, um, I, we were like right in the downtown in Sarah Stugard and, uh, all the guys, I thought that they were, you know, I mean, you know, alternate lifestyle. I mean, uh, you know, they were, you know, capri pants, pink shirts, sweaters over the shoulders. And I was like, these are some really small, little pretty men. I was like, wow, they probably are, you know, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, gay and alternate lifestyle. And then I saw them with these smoking hot girls and I was super, super confused. And I remember talking to one of the girls and she's like, oh, the more well together and more manicured a man is, the more wealthy he is. And uh, that was really weird for me. And then I went into the bathrooms and never found a urinal. And I asked about that one and they were like, well, it's impolite to uh, stand to pee. So, uh, uh, the, uh, the I'm a big share the urinal type guy. Like, if someone's peeing, I'm just gonna uh, jump in theirs. If they're, if, and after that, I just start peeing in the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like, it, it just, that was one of the deals. And I, I just think that you're gonna have a, you know, as we become, you know, more, I guess, you know, technologically advanced and people are required to do less and less, I think that you're gonna see a kind of division between. You know, people like that are, you know, want to go bang weights or, you know, train and fight and, you know, cut their own wood and actually live a fairly more, I guess, you know, fulfilling, fulfilling lifestyle, our opinion, more so than being like, so, um, Friday's my facial day and I got to get a manicure and a pedicure. And then, uh, I got to get my car vacuumed. I mean, like wash your own car, change your own oil. Mm -hmm. So that's my fucking soapbox for a night. 
Uh, Megan, let me ask you this, because uh, you're, you're pretty fresh in the fight game, right? Uh, you know, unassuming upbringing, like, there was no, like, man, I always just wanted to beat wholesale ass. Uh, what if there's a, a young lady listening to this, which is doubtful, because we have, like, two girls that listen. Uh, but what if, what advice would you give if they're like, man, I really want to try that combat stuff, but I don't want to be a tomboy, you know, I don't want to get hit in the face. I mean, what what barriers did you see? What barriers did you overcome? And, you know, talk about how fulfilling it is to be a part of something like this. Um, I'd say who cares what people think? Like, you know, when I first started, there was a lot of people who were just like, oh, why are you doing that? You're stupid. I was like, well, I don't really give a fuck what you think. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> like, and I'm a super competitive person. So I'm like, if the guys can do it, I can do it. Um, like, I'm not necessarily, like, like, I'm not one of those feminists because I've, like, I think they're ridiculous. I think, like, everyone should just do whatever they want to do. And, like, it's, for a female, it's going to be a bit harder because, yeah, it's, it's physically and I, I feel mentally it's, it's more demanding, but um, it's worth it and you get so much fulfillment out of it. But also, like, I would also recommend, like, research the gyms that you want to go to because I feel like if you find the, a, a good gym, it, it makes such a difference. Like I know of gyms where they treat the girls pretty badly and they pretty much just throw them in and beat the shit out of them. But then I also have been to gyms that it's, they help them and they, they want to let them grow and they, make them into a better fighter um, or, you know, help them with whatever goal that they want to do. So that's, that's one thing, particularly for a female is I feel like the gym that you go to can definitely make or break your love for the sport. Um, now I want to get into a little bit more on some of the fight that you have coming up. I mean, you got one May 7th, uh, your opponent, uh, Amanda Bell. Yes. Um, tell us about her. Like, what's the, uh, what's the, you know, the 411, what's the lowdown? Like, like give, give me the scoop. She, uh, you know, what's her background? How does she fight? You know, like, what's, uh, you know, previous wins, previous losses? I mean, you're obviously watching film and, you know, doing your homework on your fighter. So just looking for some information about her. Um, yeah, I've, I've watched a little bit of stuff on her. Um, I think she considers herself a, a striker. Um, but I, you know, I don't think her striking is very good. She doesn't really have much of a wrestling or ground game. Um, she's super short, so there's going to be a, a massive height and reach advantage. Um, she, her last fight was, I think, April last year, and she lost that fight via submission. Um, she's been pretty inconsistent with winning and, and losses, so she's, she had a pretty, uh, what I've seen is she's had a pretty successful amateur career, but as a pro, it's been very up and down. Um, she, I find she fights very emotional, which is going to be bad for her. Um, and I, I just don't see anywhere that I need to worry about, like, a, She's she's got nothing that I I haven't seen before, and I'm I just don't think it's going to end well for her. 
Nice. That's a, <laughs> like a very polite way of saying, where, uh, get the fuck out of the way. Where does, she fight out, uh, where, where does she fight out of it? Who's she trained with? I have no idea. I really, I don't really pay much attention to that stuff. It, just, it doesn't really bother me. Like, she mm-hmm. could train with, you know, the top fighter in the world that means nothing on the night. They can't help them in that cage. So what's your, what is your fight day? Do, I mean, do you have a ritual routine uh, that you've kind of built up? Like, how do you get your mind right for this type of thing? Um, I don't really have a ritual. Like, are you breakfast? What about a playlist? I mean, you, are you putting on... Are you superstitious at all? No. Like, I eat breakfast. I get my hair braided. Um, like, I'll do, like, some light stuff with James in the morning. What kind of braid? Like a Princess Elsa braid? <laughs> I only know this because uh, my daughters asked me to braid their hair, and uh, it's pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad. I gave my daughter uh, a really bad. My wife's like, "Did you need to give her a side braid?" And I'm like, She's like, "Well, normally the braid's in the back. You have it like kind of." I'm like, "Yeah, it's kind of over here a little bit, but that's because she's moving her head." My wife's like, <sighs> "I'm like, well, they need to stop asking me to braid their hair every day, and then they uh, request different braids, and so um, I'm just making." Here. Getting That's on the bad. YouTube. Well, you got to get your braid game up. I know my fucking braid game. <laughs> I can't braid, and I'm a girl, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife's really good on it, and like girls are like, "Can I get that, that like over?" I'm like, "Dude, you're gonna get nothing out of me. It's gonna look like dog shit." And then the teacher's like, "Did you braid your hair?" I'm like, "Yeah, it looks good." Yeah, no. Well, like uh, Victor has this girl that um, that they employ, and she who lives out there, and she comes and braids whoever wants their hair braid. Right, so I'll just whatever I kind of feel like at the on the day. Um, yeah, like I'll do some light stuff with James, bit of light pads, bit of movement. I listen to a lot of motivational speeches and stuff like that. Um, ones that kind of like get me, you know, ready. And I'm actually like I don't like to think too much about it because, like. There's really not much to worry about. Like like we've talked about before, if you put in all the hard work and training, there's nothing to worry about. Like you just go out there and do the best that you can and, you know, come away with the win. Like there's no worry. There's no need to worry about, oh, is she going to take me down because I haven't done any wrestling. So you're more like a kind of reflect on more so the training necessarily than like uh, the potential issues of competition and the unknowns and shit like that staying calm and focused or or is there anything like um like when you go out to fight this fight that you are like hey you know what uh, this is something we've worked on this is something that i want to uh you know use like i, I don't know i mean I, I always think like um you know like there has to be something like hey uh i learned this this worked really well in training i'm going to use this as kind of my default a little bit yeah definitely like um in in my mind, like for the fight, I, I want to work on the stuff that I've been working on in training, and um, and it's good because in training you've you've got your partners who are also working on the same thing, so it's super hard to to tell whether it's working or not because you, you're all kind of focusing on the same things. But it that's what I love about fighting is it's like you get it's it's almost like a fresh training partner that's never seen like what you've been learning. So it's really like a live version of executing everything that you've been working on. Well, then it's also nice to be able to go out and beat on somebody new that you're not, not going to have to see tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember like um, 
in the NFL, like we had a, uh, one deal where we played a team at the end of the year, and then we had a buy, and then we played them again. So they had to cancel the game. We had a makeup game, and then we had a buy, and then we played them. So we played this team like two times in three weeks. And normally, like you go out and you do some fucked up shit to people, and you don't see them for the rest of the year. So you're like, here, I remember going out, and people being like, dude, last thing you want to do is go out and do something, and then have that motherfucker come and looking for you two weeks later. And I remember. Like, <laughs> Like that little bit of being like, hey, I'm not going to fucking take this last blow on this dude because, I'm, you know, two weeks later, he's going to be like, I'm going to get that motherfucker. So, uh, you know, that in itself, it's like, I'm like, well, I'm going to do some fucked up shit. And if it uh, happens, I'm probably not going to see this person again for a yeah. long time. So it's all like, I got to go see him tomorrow and fucking practice. So I'll show up and be like, hey, what's happening? Yeah, this is true. That is, <laughs> that's a, a benefit, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Megan, thanks for taking the time. I mean, is there anything else you want to chat about? Anything that you want you know, if people want to get out and follow you, where do, where do they go? You got a webpage, you got social media. What's the deal? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just on, you know, I guess the main social medias. So like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Probably. So you can find me on them, Megan Anderson or Megan A underscore MMA. So pretty simple. Yeah. We'll link that stuff up in the, in the show post. And I'm sure Tyler will, will pro- you're going to be at her fight on, in, on the seventh. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then we'll do we'll do a little Snapchat takeover. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we can come in and definitely do some stuff. I think I'll be in town, so it'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of town. Yeah. If you where, get there, where are you going to be? I, I'm taking vacation that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fifty week vacation policy. Uh, I have uh, Luke does. Luke's supposed to send an email with all his vacation dates, and then he just doesn't send it. No, and here's the thing. John forgets how to check email, <laughs> and by email. I briefly bring it up as he's driving away after, like, John, for the record, on May 7th, then we'll be here. <laughs> he's like, I, I have 27 different bachelor parties to go to this year. I'm like, hey, when you're the center stone of oh, your hometown social network, and you're the key <laughs> you've got a lot of weddings to Luke stand is, up. Uh, Luke is the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> That's I like Luke. He's the straw that stirs the drink. So, like, you know, if Luke's not there, it's a flat-ass drink. If it's a uh, Luke's there, that's that's going to be nice and bubbly and crisp, and uh, everybody's going to have a good time. You know this is true. I know you're the straw. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I refer to you as the straw. Uh, uh, anyways, I'll, I will, I'm sorry that I'm missing it, but, I, you know, I am coming back that Sunday. So, are you staying in, in town after the fight at all, you guys? Um, I think we fly back um, Sunday afternoon ah, shit. i have no idea well either way megan uh i'm trying to uh, schedule up a trip so we can get out to to your neck of the woods and maybe drop in uh and train with you guys a couple days before a seminar so we'll get to see you in person soon enough and uh if i don't see you that weekend no that's awesome that'd be cool awesome guys well again thanks again for for jumping on the show and best of luck i'm i'm excited to see if i no worries. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. No problem. Thank you. See you guys. See you, bud. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Megan and all of her travels, fights, training, weight cutting, and general shenanigans by finding her on Instagram under the name at Megan, M-E-G-A-N-A underscore M-M-A. That's Megan A underscore M-M-A. You can also hit her up on Facebook by searching her name. Megan fights Amanda Bell on May 7th, so send this hardworking power athlete some love by following her online. Until next time, bye!